Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down who is the next league winning running back in 2022 fantasy football. This is hands down my favorite video series to make. I did it last year, uh, breaking down every position, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. The way I play fantasy football, if you guys know this about me, I'm searching for league winners. I'm a boomer bust fantasy player. I played in five redraft leagues over the last two years. I've won three of them, and I borderline came in last in the other two. So the way my payouts are structured, if you ain't first, you're last. So hitting on a 20-plus PPR point per game running back, which is how I define a league winning running back is the easiest way to skyrocket your way up the standings and into first place this fall. So in this video, we're going to break down the entire top 24 running backs in underdog ADP to determine who has the ceiling, who doesn't, who's too risky, who's safe, etc. And if you guys want to take this advice straight into action, check out underdog fantasy to sharpen up your, uh, your drafting strategy and your home league drafts and compete for your share of $10 million total. 2 million to first place in best ball mania three using the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. will get you hundred percent back on whatever you put in. So you get a lot of practice for your home leagues. You get, you know, hundred percent back. Plus you'll also get our dynasty rankings manifesto and our redraft rankings manifesto for free for the entire season. So promo code FSE link is in the description down below for that. You guys enjoyed this video at any point, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below. Who do you think is the biggest league winning running back? this year in fantasy football. Who's this year's Jonathan Taylor, essentially, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Now let's hit the intro. Okay, so as I teased before the intro, my definition of a league winner is not the handcuff running back that gets thrust into a big workload and is suddenly this guy that wins a lot of people championships. My definition of league winner is the guys that you draft early that turn into this year's Jonathan Taylor, or this year's Austin Eckler, or 2020 Dalvin Cook, or 2020 Derrick Henry. Those guys that you knew they were going to be good going into the season, and they lived up to that promise. The fundamental concept of this video is that what we're doing is taking a holistic view of the past running back league winners from 2013 to 2021. And we're measuring their peripherals. How much volume did they get? How many targets did they get? How many touchdowns did they score? How good was their offense? How good was their quarterback? How good were they on an efficiency basis? Were they coming into the season injured? All that stuff is going to factor in who's got that top upside in their uh, range of outcomes in the top 24 running backs in ADP. If you guys want to skip over this part and skip right ahead to when I talk about this year's running backs, there are timestamps along the scroll bar and in the description as well. But I'm quickly going to break this down. I won't spend too much time on the history side of things, but history is our best indicator of future breakouts. At this position, my strategy for the running back position has been, if you don't have that elite ceiling, I'm going to pick a wide receiver, quarterback, or tight end in that area of the draft because... At the running back position, 
We know it's inherently more prone to injury. We know it's more fragile than the quarterback position or the wide receiver position or the tight end position. So I'm less likely to chase a guy who has a mid RB one or low end RB one upside. When I can take a guy like Keenan Allen, who probably has that upside at wide receiver, but is less likely to get injured because he's a wide receiver and not a running back. So that's my overall running back strategy. If they don't have that elite ceiling, I usually take a wide receiver tight end or quarterback, depending on where I'm drafting. Remember the more boxes a player can check the higher their ceiling, the higher their floor the higher the chances that they will win you a fantasy championship. We are weighing everything. We're not just talking about talent. We're not just talking about volume. We're not just talking about situation. We're not just talking about injury potential. One of the biggest mistakes that fantasy players make, especially new fantasy players, is that they weigh only one thing. They take a player because they think he's really talented or they take a player because he's going to get volume. But again, we want to weigh all those factors. So as I mentioned in the intro, we are using the averages of past running back league winners. And the criteria that we're looking at is People who had a 20 plus point per game season in PPR minimum 12 games played from 2013 to 2021. If you guys have been playing fantasy for a number of years, you'll remember all these seasons, 2019 Christian McCaffrey, JT and Eckler this past year, all the way back to Matt Forte, Jamal Charles and DeMarco Murray in 2014 and 2013. The first table that you guys can see here indicates how much volume each of these guys got on a per game basis. Because again, some of them played 15 games, some of them played 16 games, some of them played 13 games. So I didn't want to look at overall volume because that would skew the data. So I looked on it at a per game basis to achieve the league winning status that they ended up achieving. Anything that is colored in green indicates that they were above average among this sample of elite running backs in those categories. Anything that's yellow is about average. Red would be below average. But remember, we're using a sample of elite fantasy options only. So just because, you know, Austin Eckler had 13 carries a game last year doesn't mean that's bad. It's just bad relative to these elite running backs and the averages that we were looking at here. So this is what we were looking for when we drafted a running back in the first few rounds. We were looking for one of those elite seasons. We want one of these dudes, the guys that strike the fear of God into the opponent that you are playing in fantasy that week. These were the averages, 18 carries a game, 5.77 targets, four and a half receptions, 22 and a half total touches, one touchdown per game. These were the averages of those elite running back seasons. This was the average volume of these difference makers on a full season basis too. If you want a better idea of visualizing it, 290 carries, 90 targets, 70 catches, 16 total touchdowns. But again, volume is not everything. Some guys like Austin Eckler this past year and Alvin Kamara in years past have had elite seasons by being efficient or playing in really good offenses or both. So as you guys can see, these are the situational factors as I have them labeled here. Um, because I wanted to test a bunch of these factors and see which was predictive. I tested plenty more than the ones that are listed here to give you a good idea of the surrounding factors that can help propel a lower volume running back into an elite season, because it should be taken into account that both efficiency and volume can get you to an elite running back season. How good of an offense were they in? How good is their quarterback? How good was their offensive line? Were these running backs generally younger or were they, you know, older running backs? How many games did their teams win the sheer talent of their uh, ability of the player that we're talking about carry the efficiency of that player. Yeah, maybe Alvin Kamara wasn't getting elite volume in 2018, but he played an elite New Orleans Saints offense with a great offensive line for a great team that won a lot of games and he was hyper efficient himself. So there's an, a number of different paths that these guys can take to an elite season. Ergo, Alvin Kamara has an elite season, even though he only had like 11 carries per game that year. It all factors in. And these were the averages of the situational factors. As you can see, on average, you needed to be in a top nine scoring offense. On average, you needed a top 10 run blocking offensive line. Team wins, about nine and a half wins on the season. Age, uh, just under the age of 25 years old. Efficiency on a yards per carry basis was 4.8. 
yards per carry yards per touch 5.6. Now, if you guys have heard me, you know, rationalize things before you might notice that uh, the age category is higher than I've, I've quoted it as being last year was 23.5 years old, but, but this year I changed the sample from 20 plus half PPR points per game to 20 plus PPR points per game, because we have a number of older running backs like Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, and Alvin Kamara who are pass catching running backs. So I wanted to see if that would skew the data at all and make these guys appear a little bit better than they show in last year's sample, because I didn't want to be biased and say that, you know, only early down grinders needed to be younger and, you know, pass catching backs needed to be older. I wanted to get a holistic view, like I said before. So these were the averages. No running back is going to be perfect in this. It's all about checking as many boxes as they can. And at the same time, exceeding some boxes, meaning that they scored green to make up for others. So I hope I'm not confusing anybody so far, uh, but let's get into this group of running backs that we're looking at this year. Like I said, I'm only looking at the top 24 in ADP because I don't want to be here for an hour talking about 50 running backs outlooks this year. And this should go without saying, but if any of, you know, Alexander Madison or Tony Pollard or Kareem Hunt or AJ Dillon are high scoring options, it's probably because the starter in front of them got hurt, which we can't predict at this current point in time. But those guys, you know, the upside when you draft them. So I'm going to go through these guys six at a time, uh, RB one to six, then RB seven to 12, et cetera, in ADP and explain my rationale on each player outline what their path to an elite season is. It could be multiple, could be a combination of a few. Maybe they only have one path. They need one thing to happen for them to have an elite season, or they might have no path at all. And therefore we're probably not going to draft them this year. So typically those week, uh, those league winning ceilings came from one of three paths. Elite carry volume, like we saw from Jonathan Taylor last year, like we saw from Derrick Henry in 2020, like we saw from DeMarco Murray in 2014, et cetera. Elite pass catching usage, like we saw from Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara in years past, Le'Veon Bell, Matt Forte, guys like that. Or high touchdown volume, like we saw from Jonathan Taylor last year, Austin Eckler also last year, and Alvin Kamara in years past. So one of those three passes is usually how you get to an elite season. Like I said, could be a combination of all those things, could be also hyper-efficiency in those things as well. But let's start with Arby's one to six, which are Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, and Dalvin Cook right now in ADP, according to Underdog Fantasy. For each one of these guys, they're subjective rankings, right? So you might feel differently on how I rated them versus what you think, but I'll try and rationalize as much as I can without taking up too much time. The team wins category I took from Vegas total. So that's not my opinion. That is what Vegas is projecting. Efficiency, offensive line, and offensive um, you know, scoring were all subjective rankings by me by how, th- how good I think their efficiency is, how good I think their offensive line is, how good their offense is expected to be, and their efficiency too will also be aided by their previous year's efficiency as well and additions to the O-line and all that kind of stuff factors in. Also, so uh, injury ratings, they're pretty simple. If they're a young running back with no health issues, they had minimal concerns. If they're an aging running back, but not a ton of major injury issues, then they have some concern. And if they're either coming off of a big injury, like Cam Akers, for example, or if they're older with uh, some injury issues like Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook, they get a concerned label, which is in red. So let's start with Jonathan Taylor. And the path is pretty simple for him. He needs an elite touchdown scoring volume and elite carries behind a good offensive line and a solid offense. Plus, he's a superstar talent who can break away big plays at any moment. Jonathan Taylor, pretty straightforward. CMC, elite receiving work is the path for him. To be honest, I kind of hope that they dial back some of the carries that they've been giving Christian McCaffrey because we know Christian McCaffrey's value comes from his ability as a receiver. And in terms of his injury concerns, some of you might be like, well, why isn't he a concerned label? Because he's been injured the past two seasons. But the reason he doesn't have anything serious is because he's been injured with you know high ankle sprains and hamstring injuries. He's not coming off of an ACL tear 
or an Achilles tear or anything serious. So CMC, I have listed as some concern, but again, you might disagree with that. Even if you put the concern label on Christian McCaffrey, he still has a very, very high score, which we'll talk about at the end of the video. Austin Eckler, his path, still elite receiving volume, plus being tethered to a great offense. The big question for him is whether his touchdowns are sustainable because he had 20 touchdowns last year. They bring in Isaiah Spiller, a bit more of a bruiser running back, might take some goal line work away. Or does Austin Eckler just naturally regress and not score as many touchdowns? So that's the big question for him. But we know the path is still receiving volume and touchdowns. RB4 is Derrick Henry. His path is clearly carry volume, 25 plus carries per game. We know he doesn't catch the ball very much. That's been known about Derrick Henry. The big questions for me are number one, do the injury, the age, and the touch workload that he's sustained over the past couple of years, are they going to correlate to him not being very good this year or maybe seeing a downtick in efficiency? And number two, how good are the Tennessee Titans? Are they going to be a bad team this year? Because they were the number one seed in the AFC, and I feel like nobody really remembers that. And if they're a six-win team this year, is Derrick Henry as good as he's been in previous years when Tennessee's been a very good team? They've had a lot of leads. They can salt games away with a big bruising running back. So my attitude towards Derrick Henry so far this offseason has been he's good enough and he gets enough volume for all of these concerns to disappear once toe hits leather, but they are concerns nonetheless. Number five is Najee Harris. The tough thing for Najee Harris is that he's kind of just solid across the board. He's not outstanding in any one category. He's not terrible in any one category. And that can be a good thing. But the problem is that despite having good carry usage, a solid target share should take a step forward efficiency wise because he's a second year running back instead of a rookie uh, running back anymore. That is all well and good. But the fact that he doesn't play for an elite offense does you know, hurt him a little bit because we don't know how his touchdown volume is going to be. Can Najee take a big step from an efficiency standpoint and be an elite league winning running back? That's the only way that he can do it, in my opinion, because he's going to have you know, solid volume and solid touchdowns and solid receiving work and all that stuff. But if this Steelers offense isn't that good, then Najee Harris is going to have to do a lot by himself to make himself a league winning running back. And we know he doesn't necessarily have like breakaway speed or anything like that. So he could be a guy whose ceilings a little bit capped. Number six is Dalvin cook. The path for Dalvin cook is pretty uh, simple. It's the same as it's always been for Dalvin cook. Great workload, especially on the ground, gets a lot of carries and touchdown opportunity uh, scores a lot of touchdowns in the red zone, especially for a sneaky uh, Vikings offense. That could be one of the best in the league this year. The issue with Dalvin cook and why I think he's one of the, my biggest fades this off season is he lost a step last year. Maybe it's due to the amount of carries he has under his belt. Maybe it's due to his touches, all that kind of stuff. Have the touches caught up to him? Has he lost a step because he was less efficient than he was uh, in years past? And also have the touches caught up to him from an injury perspective because he hasn't played more than 14 games in any season in his entire career. And that really kills you, especially down the stretch, trying to win a fantasy championship. So all those factors kind of play into Dalvin Cook. As I talked about in yesterday's video, he's a guy that I like. I just think he's going a little bit too high. On to the next group of running backs, which is RB7 to 12, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, and Nick Chubb in that order, according to Underdog ADP right now. Joe Mixon, the first guy that we have here, his path is touchdowns, again, because he had a lot of touchdowns last year. He gets a solid workload, but it's not elite, right? He's not getting thir like 25 carries a game. He's getting like 16 to 20 carries a game not getting a ton of pass catching uh, usage as well. Despite Gio Bernard leaving last offseason, some people thought he was going to get more pass uh, passing game usage that didn't necessarily translate. He has to score 15 plus touchdowns to pay off at his ADP right now because he hasn't been overly efficient either. He's a guy that averages like 4.2 yards a carry, not a ton of uh, receiving efficiency either. The nice thing about Joe Mixon is that it is easy for, to project him to score a lot of touchdowns because we expect the Bengals offense to be very, very good. So he could definitely do it again, but that is his only path to an elite season. DeAndre Swift, the next running back here, 
his path is elite receiving usage. We saw when he was on the field last year, he's getting like seven targets a game in the games that he was healthy, didn't leave early, all that kind of stuff. The one thing I worry about with DeAndre Swift, though, is that he hasn't been overly efficient as a runner, has been pretty efficient as a receiver, but especially not as a runner, four yards per carry last year. We know that he's not likely to get a ton of uh, touchdowns because he doesn't play in an elite offense, but the receiving usage can carry him to a high PPR finish. But the only thing I worry about is that he doesn't have an elite, elite ceiling because he doesn't play in a great offense. It's not you know, as simple as saying, oh, he's just, you know, new school Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara played in the Saints offense that was very good. And also Alvin Kamara was averaging like five and a half yards of carry and six and a half yards per touch because he was super, super efficient. And with DeAndre Swift, I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to get that. Aaron Jones, the next guy that we have here, I got a lot of engagement on the video yesterday where I broke down Aaron Jones in depth if you guys want to check that out. But Aaron Jones, a lot of you guys pointed to the fact that you think Aaron Jones is going to be an elite receiving back this year. And I know a lot of people are of that belief because they look at, you know, Aaron Jones without Devontae Adams in the lineup. He gets like seven targets a game, but it's a small sample size. I don't think Aaron Jones is suddenly going to be 100 plus target running back. I know he's a fine, he's a good pass catcher, but I also think AJ Dillon is a capable pass catcher as well. He started running more routes as the season went along. So I like Aaron Jones, but unless he has that elite, elite target share, 100 plus per uh, target per season type of running back, then I don't think he has an elite ceiling. We have an aging running back, a guy splitting touches, splitting red zone work with AJ Dillon. Lost a little bit of efficiency last year as well. Don't expect him to be a league winner. I don't hate him necessarily. I just think uh, where he's currently going in the top, you know, 18 overall picks, I would rather draft a wide receiver that has an elite ceiling and wait until like round three, round four to draft Aaron Jones. So if you can get him in round three, round four, I think he's fine. But at the current ADP where he's going mid second round, just a little bit too high for me. Saquon Barkley, here's the first guy that we're going to talk about in serious uh, talks right now. His path is the elite workload that we've seen from him anytime he's been on the field. He had elite receiving work last year in the limited elite workload that we saw of Saquon Barkley because in week one, he came out and he played like 50% of the snaps coming back from the ACL tear. They talked about easing him back in and they did that. So week one, he wasn't really on the field that much. Week two, he was on the field a lot, but he wasn't running a whole lot of routes. Week three, we finally saw him back to his full workload. He had six targets and had over 20 fantasy points per game. Week four, same thing. Seven targets, over 20 fantasy points per game. But week five, he suffers that freak injury against the Cowboys where he steps on the guy's foot and he was pretty much lost for the rest of the season. So high carries, breakaway speed, efficiency, talent, all that kind of stuff factors in to Saquon Barkley's outlook and potentially an improved offense, the best offense maybe he's played in his entire career with Brian Dayball calling the shots, fourth year Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, and you know Wandell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, all these guys that they've added. It's, it's possible that Saquon Barkley has a league-winning season this year. Leonard Fournette, elite touchdown opportunity is his best friend, right? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, we expect them to score quite a bit. Still has a high target share as well. Maybe the usage decreases a little bit as a pass catcher with Rashad White coming in, the third round running back that they took, who was a great pass catcher in college. But rookies have a tough time getting on the field for Tom Brady specifically, and also in this scheme. And Brady trusts Leonard Fournette. So I, again, I really like Leonard Fournette's outlook this year. He definitely has a clear path to an elite season. Nick Chubb, who I talked about yesterday, I did this under the assumption that Deshaun Watson is suspended. So if Deshaun Watson is not suspended at all, I mean, like not for six, eight, 10 games, like he would not need to be suspended at all for me to target Nick Chubb in drafts. Because if that is the case, the only way that Nick Chubb hits value is if he has a lot of touchdowns. And unless Deshaun Watson's on the field, I don't anticipate that happening because he doesn't get a huge workload on the ground. He doesn't get any receiving work in what should be a bad offense this year with Jacoby Brissett running the show without Deshaun Watson. So this is a big time fade for me with Nick Chubb, as I talked about in depth yesterday. The next group of running backs, and I'll try and speed these up a little bit. We have RB13, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara, 
uh, James Conner, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne, and Cam Akers in that order. Javante Williams is another one of these dudes that stood out to me. Here's the thing with Javante Williams. We don't know what his workload will be. I love Javante Williams. I can't guarantee you right now that he is the 1A in that backfield or that it's his backfield and Gordon's just the backup. I think it's foolish to assume, though, that the split will be exactly the same as it was last year because I think a lot of people are doing that. They're thinking it's going to be Williams gets 50% and Gordon gets 50% because Gordon was efficient last year and Williams was just as efficient. But Williams was a rookie. That is what we need to take into consideration. Melvin Gordon was not prioritized in free agency by the Denver Broncos. They let him walk. They let him test the market. And then they brought him back. There's been reports also already this summer that Javante Williams is owning this backfield. He is the one a Gordon is his backup. So what we do know about this Broncos situation is that the situational factors are phenomenal. They bring in Russell Wilson, who is a seismic upgrade of, of quarterback play of what they had last year. If he gets the workload, Javante Williams gets 65, 70% of the opportunities. He is going to smash this year. Now we get into Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is, his path is Kamara being Kamara. He's going to be really efficient, going to get the targets, going to get the touchdowns. The issue that I have with Alvin Kamara right now, which is why I have him labeled as a concern for injury, is because I had to factor his suspension in somewhere. And that's where I factored it in um, because we don't know if he's going to be suspended for two games, four games, six games, eight games, 10 games, or not at all. So if Kamara is suspended like two games or not at all, then I'm going to be a lot higher on Kamara than consensus is right now. He's going to shoot up to me for a top five running back. That's exactly where I'm going to have him if that is the case. But I have him right now in the you know mid-teens because we don't know if he's going to get suspended or not. James Conner, a guy that I tweeted out today and I got a lot of engagement on the tweet. Um, I tweeted out today that if James Conner doesn't score 15 touchdowns again, he is going to be a huge bust for fantasy. And the reason is because I see that as his only... Uh, avenue of hitting an elite league winning season for starters i loved james connor last year i he was one of my highest exposed running backs on underdog but the difference between him last year and him this year is that he was an eighth rounder last year he is a late second round pick this year and number two i think a lot of people on twitter especially because i read all my replies and you know went back and forth with some people they think that james connor is going to get this elite workload and i don't think that's necessarily the case because they're pointing to the fact that Chase Edmonds is now gone. James Conner is going to get the workload he got when, uh, when Chase Edmonds was out last year. But I think that's foolish to do because they brought in Darrell Williams. And say what you want about Darrell Williams. He was efficient for the Chiefs last year. And more importantly, he kept Clyde Edwards-Hilaire off the field on third down. And I think that's exactly why they, they signed him this year for, for the Arizona Cardinals. I know he's not making a ton of money, but between him and Eno Benjamin, who's still on the roster, both of those guys are more capable pass catchers than James Conner. James Conner is a fine pass catching running back, but he's not going to make a huge difference. And I think this Cardinals offense is going to run better if James Conner is the early down guy and Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin are splitting third down duty. So maybe uh, James Conner has a higher receiving ceiling than I'm giving him credit for, but, but this is how I'm sticking with it. I think James Conner is the early down guy. And I think Darrell Williams and Eno Benjamin will split third down duties. Again, if you disagree with that, that's fine. Maybe you're higher on James Conner than me, but that is how I expect it to go. I don't think that they are going to give James Conner a massive workload because uh, in recent years, James Conner has not been able to stay on the field. He's not been healthy very often. And last year, he played the most games in a single season of his entire career. And I think if the Cardinals gave him a huge workload, that would be a mistake and they'd probably end up getting him hurt. So uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the next guy that we have here, I talked about him yesterday and I'm not going to rehash the entire argument, but his path is touchdowns. He plays for the Cowboys. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, so I, and again, I went in depth on him yesterday, so I'm not going to rehash everything. Travis Etienne, the next guy that we have here is path is receiving work. He has to get a lot of receiving work in order to pay off because the tough part for Travis Etienne is just like Deandre Swift last year, he could be an RB one due to the amount of receiving work that he could get, 
but it's not likely he's an elite running back because the Jags are going to stink. They have Trevor Lawrence, unless he takes some seismic step and looks like the quarterback we saw at Clemson, Trevor Lawrence looked like a bad quarterback last year. So I can't say, you know, for certain that Trevor Lawrence is going to take some huge step and be an elite, you know, quarterback in the NFL because I didn't see it last year. So Travis Etienne needs to have a lot of receiving work if this offense is expected to be middle of the pack or worse. And uh, Travis Etienne will definitely need that receiving work in order to pay off. I still like him because he's like a fourth round pick instead of like a second round pick. But if he was a second round pick in drafts right now, I would be all the way out because I don't think he has a high, high ceiling. I think his ceiling is a mid RB1, low end RB1, similar to what we saw from DeAndre Swift last year. Cam Akers, the final guy in this kind of territory. As you guys know, this is my dude. I'll explain why he's my dude because of the peripherals, right? Despite the injury concern, which is real, it's an Achilles tear, but we did see him come back for the playoffs. And yes, he was inefficient, but he came back six months after having Achilles surgery. I wasn't really expecting him to be efficient. Just the fact that he came back means that he's probably healthy for this season. So that kind of sullies the injury concern a little bit for me. Real draw of Cam Akers, because I don't think he's going to get a lot of receiving work either with Kyron Williams and Darrell Henderson there, is that he has elite scoring potential. He's going to be the early down ball carrier for a top three scoring offense, an offense that, in my opinion, has a chance to be special this year. They have a chance to be the 2013 Broncos type of offense, not just one of the best offenses in the league, one of those offenses that puts up 550 points in a season. So a team that's going to be, you know, great offensive line, great uh, moving the ball, getting into the red zone, going to be leading in a lot of games because they have a great defense as well. Cam makers could have a 270 carry season with 18 rushing touchdowns. And it would not shock me, even if he's slightly inefficient on the ground because he's still coming back from the injury. I think the workload that he's going to see combined with the fact that he has as much scoring potential as probably any running back in the league. Um, is why I like Cam Akers at his current value. The final tier of running backs here is, um, you know, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, and Antonio Gibson. I will speed real quick through these guys because not a lot of these guys have a huge, huge ceiling. Brees Hall has a ton of question marks because he's a rookie. We don't know what his role is going to be. We don't know if he's going to be a high volume guy. We don't know if he's going to be a high efficiency guy. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Brees Hall. He's worth a shot on an ascending, potentially a breakout offense this year. Uh, But until we get to like preseason games and training camps, we'll probably not know what his role is expected to be. David Montgomery, his path to an elite season is obviously volume, but he doesn't get elite enough volume for him to overcome the fact that he plays in a bad offense and that he's just kind of not an elite player at the same time. So probably not a guy that I'm targeting much this year. J.K. Dobbins, outside of the injury and if and the target concerns because he plays with Lamar Jackson, high carries, touchdowns, and high efficiency is the path to success for J.K. Dobbins. If he is healthy for training camp, it's wheels up for me at his current ADP. If he is not healthy, I'm probably going to have him off my board. But if he is able to not be on the pup list, you know, playing preseason games, all that kind of stuff, I'm going to like him as it is at his current ADP of like the fourth, fifth round. Josh Jacobs, similar to David Montgomery, except he actually has high touchdown potential due to the fact that the Raiders could be like an elite offense this year, not even just a good offense. It's possible that they're an elite offense this year. So Josh Jacobs, I've kind of drawn parallels to James Conner and Joe Mixon from last year as his ceiling. It's definitely possible. Those guys were not, you know, top three elite league winning running backs, but they definitely were very, very solid, especially for Jacobs, who you can get in the fifth, sixth round. I think he's a pretty solid pick right now. Elijah Mitchell going to be efficient in a solid offense, but we don't know what his volume and his role is going to be with Tyrion Davis price added to that team and Trey Lance, who's a mobile quarterback, potentially stealing away some touches as well. Antonio Gibson, red flags all around should have high carry potential, I think, but Carson Wentz led offense, which might be average at best or terrible at worst, more backfield competition with Brian Robinson and JD McKissick, both there, some injury concern as well. And a lack of receiving volume, not a huge fan of Antonio Gibson. Don't think he has a very high ceiling. So here is how it it was all quantified. The answer to the question that I posed at the beginning of the video 
who is the next league winning running back scores were calculated as follows. Anybody with a green score could be a league winning running back. Anybody with a yellow score is a solid pick. Maybe slash doesn't have an elite ceiling. Um, orange are guys that are boomer bust, uh, like Brees Hall or guys with a ton of concerns and modest ceilings like Josh Jacobs or, and then red would be just players. I would avoid guys with either low ceilings or guys that have so many concerns that they outweigh the good. And everything was weighted as follows. The way that I calculated this is that anything that they rated as green in was worth five points. Yellow was worth three points. Orange was worth minus one point and red was worth minus three points. So hypothetically, the great factors could outweigh the bad factors if possible. If you had a bunch of great factors and a couple you know, red flags, you could outweigh them with those great factors. So that's how I wanted to structure it. That's how I structured it last year. The highest scores predictably are CMC and Jonathan Taylor because we know that they have high ceilings and are the best picks in fantasy this year. Despite the injury concerns for Christian McCaffrey, you can't deny the ceiling when he's on the field. Followed by a bunch of solid options like you guys see there. Eckler, Henry, Najee, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones. All these guys have differing you know, ranges of outcomes, differing ceilings, differing risk levels, um, but they're all pretty solid picks nonetheless. And the true league winning potential guys, like I said, the guys in green are Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams. Barkley and Williams have the potential to be superstars this year for fantasy. Barkley due to his ability, his workload, and potentially an improved offense. And Javante, due to the fact that if he gets the volume and if he's the 1A in this offense, that improvement of that offense could lead to an elite season. Plus, he is an elite player based on what we saw from him as a rookie. So those two guys are the league-winning running back potential this year. And for what it's worth, Alvin Kamara would qualify as well if the suspension disappears. And if you guys are curious, if you're like, well, okay, Javante and Barkley, that's, that's cool, but like, are these going to be accurate? How did you do last year? Last year, as you guys can see on the screen, Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry were both colored in green. Both of them were league winners when they were healthy. They both dealt with injuries, but they were very, very good when on the field. Jonathan Taylor had the highest score, and he was the league-winning running back that year, so I nailed it. This video was predictive last year. Akers and Dobbins obviously got hurt after I did the video, so they can't really qualify because they had major injuries. Antonio Gibson was really the only miss. But between him and Jonathan Taylor, that's a 50-50 hit rate that I had last year, and I still think if Gibson did not come into the uh, to the season with a turf toe injury and was dealing with a bunch of shit, he probably would have been great last year as well. And to be fair, all that information didn't come out until after I did this exercise. I probably would have given him a higher injury concern rating last year than I did because I didn't really know a whole lot about his injury um, at this point in time. It was, I did this at like late June of last year, and I didn't know that about Antonio Gibson at the time. So last year was pretty predictive. This year, hopefully, will be really predictive as well. If you guys enjoyed this video, again, like the video, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel if you are new. If you guys want access to this data, I will be uploading it to Patreon. If you want, you guys can download it right to your computer and conduct this exercise yourself. Maybe you disagree with some of my ratings. Maybe you don't think that James Conner has low receiving volume or whatever, and you can change that and see what the results spit out. You can do that via, uh, via patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange, as I mentioned. And if you want to get some exposure to Javante Williams and Saquon Barkley before their ADP rises, because I do think they will be the league winning running backs this year, check out underdogfantasy.com. Win your share of $10 million. I think whoever wins the best ball mania three contest will have a league winning running back on their team. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but those are my two guesses as it currently stands. Also, you can get some great practice for your home league drafts. Like I said, promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit for 100% back on whatever you put in. So if you put in 50, you get 100. If you put in 10, you get 20, et cetera. And as a thank you for using our code, doesn't matter how much money you put in, you'll get both our dynasty and redraft rankings manifesto for free. So all you have to do is deposit 10, 20 bucks, and you'll get both of our sets of rankings for the season. And you'll get 100% back from underdog fantasy. So best deal on the internet, can't beat it. Peace out guys. And I'll talk to you soon.